Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear our identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Jay, so last week you were speaking on the podcast and I had a couple of ideas and we've landed on this one, so I can't wait to jump into the topic with you. And listeners, this kind of stems from a couple of things that have happened this week, both for Jay and I in our lives. And so we're going to walk you through that and then we're going to talk about the topic at hand. So for me, I am in a new world of work where there are a couple of mean deadlines, um, very, very hard deadlines to get all of the work in. And once all the work's in, it means that the next month is covered. So I'm sure listeners, as you kind of think through your daily duties or your house duties or your you know professional duties, there are definitely deadlines that come up or that we all come up against. And think for a second, what does it feel like when you walk into the last day of the deadline and you do not have your stuff ready? What does it feel like when halfway through that day, you start completing the deadlines and then maybe at three o'clock, the day of the five o'clock deadline, everything is submitted, right? You kind of give yourself a little fist bump. Um, you kind of maybe punch the air a little and say, yes, I got it done. And for some of you on the, on the, on the podcast, you may be thinking, well, Chica, when a deadline's due, I do it two days before because that's the personality that I am. I'm so prepared. Then we flip it into another circumstance where yesterday, Jay, I was watching and we're based here in Georgia, I was watching a whole lot of folks watch the college football game. And obviously, everybody's rooting for their team, everybody's rooting for a win. And, you know, come halftime, we're behind. Then after halftime, we make an intercept, and you hear everybody jump up and down. And then the other team scores, everybody sits down and gets quiet. You listen to the stadium, the stadium's roaring when something good's happening, and then sitting down when something on the other side happens for them. So Jay, for me, it's really, really interesting to watch my behavior and my circumstances adjust based on the circumstance. Yeah, this is going to be a really great conversation. So we live in a pretty intense moment in the world. Things are happening fast. They're going up and down with the digital era. Information hits us just constantly. We've got things in our own personal life, things in our country, things in the world. And you know, the observation we're making, Chica, and we've been making in our own lives, especially coming off this series talking about words and thoughts, is if our peace, joy, or our identity are tied to any outcomes that can change in the moment, we're going to have a real problem being steady, being joyful, being at peace throughout our days, because there is far too much hitting us. And so the question we've been posing to ourselves is how do we live in that world where we're enjoying that game with its up and downs, or we're enjoying our work even with the up and downs, or we're enjoying our personal life even with the up and downs without becoming totally overwhelmed and riding this emotional roller coaster that brings us in and out of peace, in and out of relationship. You know, what is the, I'm going to call it the secret of the Christian life that Jesus talks about that allows him to be fully engaged in the world without riding that same roller coaster. As you were speaking there, being in control, Jay, so is this like the golfer that's on the 18th putting green um, about to win the championship with everybody cheering around him and he's self-managing himself? 
Is that what you're referring to? Is it at the quarterback that with 30 seconds left has to throw the 40-yard touchdown pass? He's got to manage his team and manage his self-emotions? I think to some extent, however, we're going to talk about it through a biblical lens. This is not something we can do in our own strength, Mm. but we are able to do it when we have a proper perspective on where our joy, peace, and comfort comes from. And so when we can do that, when we know that, when we know that for certain, then yeah, we are. And the ones that are great, this is what's amazing. Like we talk about golf here a lot because we love golf. Have the highest chance of making a putt when you truly don't care if it goes in or not. And that seems like such an oxymoron. And so for us, it's how can you be completely fully engaged? No, this is not like a Buddhist thing or a, some sort of spiritualistic thing. I'm going to detach from the world and I'm going to be totally disconnected and above it all. That's not what we're talking about. We're actually talking about the opposite. How can I be so fully engaged in the nitty gritty that I'm completely present with all my gifts, talents, and what I bring to the world? And yet completely disconnected from the outcomes, emotionally and spiritually. That's what we're talking about. I think about that verse in Romans, Jay, where I think it was Romans 5, where it steps in and says, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame, but because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit being given to us, we should feel this idea of rejoicing or joy, no matter what the circumstance. And so truly where, where I was coming from when, when we stepped into this conversation was this idea of joy. And it's not necessarily um, feeling good all the time and, and being on a high all the time, but feeling that there's joy, even if the circumstance hasn't come out the way that we, we wanted it to here on this earth. Just because my team didn't win, could I find any joy? And then we go down that road of, is this positive thinking, Jay? Even though the negative happens, I can positively think about that negative circumstance. Yeah, I I think that's a great question. I love Ted Lasso. You know, he's so positive and he's, he's, he's he's a fun example. If you've ever watched Ted Lasso, Chig, I know you've watched Ted Lasso. There's a great scene in Ted Lasso. I don't even know what season or episode, but he's playing darts. And the guy that he's playing darts with is like a great darts player. And he thinks he's going to crush Ted because he thinks Ted's a rube. And at the end, when Ted's about to win and everybody realizes something magical is about to happen, Ted gives this little speech. And he says, you know what I realized? People used to put me down in my life. People used to count me out. And I just realized they're not curious. Be curious. And so I think one of the ways that we are able to do this is when we know that our peace, our joy, our comfort is truly rooted in Christ. Our identity is truly there. The things of this world that we're involved in matter, but they also don't matter. And we know that we are, we are playing a role in a story that's unfolding around us. And if we can just be curious. So for example, Chica, you're concerned about, Hey, I, I, I got all the accounts I needed and I'm going to press. And then what if somebody cancels and it comes out? We can ride this high and low that we can truly mess with our emotions and our health and our relationships around us and the way we are acting in the world. Or when that thing happens and somebody cancels, we can be curious about how the Lord's going to handle that and what's going to happen next. But we're we're not going to become totally freaked out or it's not going we're not going to suddenly start snapping our wife or our kids. We're not going to be worried because the mm. Bible says, well, don't worry about it because you know something neat's about to happen around the next corner. 
and you can rely on that. And then you can have the endurance that you talked about to get through the next day, week, month, year that you're going to be in quote unquote discomfort because you know, something unique is going to happen. And in the Christian life is about that faith and curiosity. Okay, Lord, how's this going to unfold? I am curious, actually, you know, over the last, I want to say two years, Jay, as we've been really working hard on ourselves to, to push off the side of the pool with this of, of not being so clawed into everything that we're doing here on earth, but believing in Jesus having our backs and us being in the will of Jesus. It's really curious to look around. And I guess here's another tangent we could, we could think through as the leaders of our household, how do we help our household to understand this concept as well so that when they are watching the game and you just see how intense they get and i'm like why 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 are you so frustrated right now like you're almost angry at the tv because your player is not doing what he should be doing in front of 190,000 people on the, on the football field right how do we lead others that we are responsible for leading towards this idea of not being so attached that they that they can find Jesus in that moment. Well, John Eldridge has this concept, and it's not his concept. He's labeled it something, but it's truly a Christian concept that is thousands of years old. He calls it benevolent detachment. And it's the, this idea of people are trying to fill a spot of themselves, right? And they're getting so emotionally attached to all these different things in their lives. And the whole concept of benevolent detachment is not retreat from the world, but it's, I can watch that game, be in full enjoyment, watch the ups and downs, but I'm not so invested in the outcome that my identity is connected to what's happened. Boom. That is the root of all of this. And so to your question around our families and how do we model this, it really does come down to what do you believe? You know, especially given the hour in the world, there's wars going on everywhere, coming out of COVID, still suffering the effects of that political turmoil just about in every country on the planet, um, total divisiveness on social media. It's a really difficult time to be alive, actually, in, in one way. And so it comes down for the biblical man, what do you really believe? Do you really believe that this life is just a snippet of your real eternal life that when we die, we pass into life? And what happens here, it's not that it doesn't matter. It does matter but that we are not so invested in the outcome of what's going to happen at work today, what's going to happen with my health, what's going to, that, that, that when the thing that doesn't happen the way we want it to just totally devastates us. I mean, in my job right now, the highs and lows every day are ridiculous. I can pivot every minute from this to that. In my personal life, I've got kids now that are becoming adults. One's going off into the Air Force and what's going to happen today? I mean, it, it's just, wow, our souls are under... Attack. It's a total onslaught for every human right now in this age, in the digital age. If we can't step back and be somewhat detached from that without detaching ourselves from the world, benevolent detachment is not about checking out of the world. It's about being so rooted to Christ that you're at peace, regardless of what's happening around you. I, I really like that last distinction you make there, Jay, because that was a question that was coming. How do we benevolently how do we benevolently detach um without being or becoming apathetic right where it's just like oh whatever jesus is in control I, i've completely let go of the wheel and you know things potentially are spinning out of control but you know god's in control that kind of attitude 
Yeah, I think that, and that would be a misreading of scripture in my view. Like we're, we're partners with Christ in this world. He cho- for whatever reason, God has chosen in this time to get things done on this planet through people. So our prayer, our response to his nudges, it matters, right? We are part of the story. We really are. So detaching from the story, being fatalistic, well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. That, that would be, you know, there's this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, and, and Paul says, depending on the verse you read, you know, we see through a glass darkly, or we see into a shadowed mirror right now. Like, we can't really understand what's going on. There's a lot of mystery to how God operates in the world. But if we can accept that we're part of that, we're not in control, but we have a role to play, and our engagement truly matters, then you can watch that game and have full enjoyment. But to your point, you're not invested identity-wise in the outcome. You're invested as a fan. Like, it would be great if they won, and that would be a fun thing. But like, if they lose, like, I don't care. I'm not angry. I'm not invested in that. I'm more invested in the relationships of the people that I'm watching the game with than the outcome of the game. If we were to turn this practical for the listeners, Jay, I know that we've, we've all applied for a job before. Maybe you've had three or four job interviews going on at the same time. How would you approach, you know, doing the research, preparing yourself for the interview, going through the interview, thinking that you stuck it and then receiving the news on the other side that they've moved on with someone else. How would you put this idea of benevolent attachment into this situation? Well, you know, that's a great question. If I thought about that, a lot of people can get angry at God when things don't work out. You know, there's a couple of perspectives I think we need to have. First of all, other people can influence outcomes in this world, right? It's a fallen and broken world. There's people with agendas. God has plans for us. And he's going to work everything out for our good. That doesn't mean that sometimes things don't get thwarted or go away that maybe they weren't supposed to go, but they come back around. So we have to recognize that. And we have to give everything over. Like this is the big concept in the New Testament, right? I have to give everything to God, everything, and trust that he is going to work things out for my good. So I, what is my call there in a benevolently detached life? I do the research. I show up. I am the best of myself. I pray and bring the light of Christ into the interview, but I recognize that there's many forces at work and the outcome is going to be the outcome. And if I can have that perspective that it doesn't matter what happens today, it's going to be okay. And I can be curious. So if I don't get the job, there's two paths I can go down or there's several, right? I could be devastated. I could be angry. I could be defiant or I could be curious. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why I didn't get it. And I wonder what that means is going to happen that's different that could is going to be better and i trust you god all right let's go and and that can be hard it's you know what i might have bills to pay i might have things i need to take care of i might need health insurance but it's also trusting that god is going to come through in those things as well we have short-term amnesia we forget all the times god comes through for us and we come to the next bump in the road and we're like oh my god it's devastation but it's not going to be devastation an awesome cap. What about um, in the family? I think about marriage. I think about parenting. I think about relationships, which are a little less temporary because we're in, you know, for the long haul. How how do I? How does a listener? How do you show this benevolent attachment in your marriage or in a long term relationship like that? I heard a guy talk about this, and it was such a great recap, and it really helped me in my marriage. You know, those people don't belong to you. They belong to Jesus. And so when it was amazing how he, he framed this, Chica, and it really helped me. 
He said when things would flare up, you know, between a spouse or a child, rather than taking it personally, because he was so rooted in his identity in Christ and his relationship with Jesus, he would always examine himself to see what role he played in that. But the question he would ask himself is, what is happening in that person's heart right now? And how mm. do I pray for them? So that, in fact, he took it to an extreme. He talked about if my wife was cheating on me, how would I, I would ask what is going on in her heart that she's so broken that this is what's going on. And how do I pray to bring her back into relationship with Christ? Like it's, it's a pretty mature perspective, but from a benevolent detachment standpoint, the guy's like, I know where my identity is rooted. I know I'm good with Jesus. So what's going on in this person I love's heart and how do I pray for them and support them and be engaged with them through this without taking it personally? It's, it's. I, it feels almost impossible to do, right? But that is the concept of what we're talking about, which is detaching without detaching. I think that's the Christian life. Like I can detach with indifference or I can detach my emotions, feelings to the outcome and still be totally engaged. My father-in-law, and this will be the last statement and then we'll, we'll wrap this up episode up, Jay. My father-in-law last night came over and he was talking about how his retina has detached. Um, from the back of his eye, right? But he he talked about how the eye doctor is speaking about, because they go in there with lasers and they fix it all up, but there's a curtain at the back of the eye that if that collapses, you're still attached, but it's not kind of, you're not able to see. And this is almost what you're talking about, where you're attached, but not attached, but you're attached in the fact that the, the retina is still up and you can still see Jesus instead of it being collapsed altogether and uh, you being blinded. Yeah, there's... Bring this back to scripture. Who's the model for benevolent detachment? It's Jesus. So I actually was just reading this morning, Chica, the story of the woman who gets caught in adultery and they bring her before Jesus and throw her down and they want to stone her to death. And they're like, what say you, Jesus? You know, and he's like, oh, yeah, okay. No, that's cool. If you want to stone her, we should totally do that. Um, which one of you has no sin, has never sinned in your life? I want you to throw the first rock. And then he goes back and he's like drawing in the sand. And you know, one by one, they drop the rocks and wander away. And then there's just Jesus and the woman in the square. And he looks up and he's like, hey, where'd all the guys go that want to stone you? He's like, they left. I don't condemn you. I love you. But then he says this thing. He's like, now go forth and don't sin anymore. So Jesus has got this unflinching call to a holy life is how the author said it in this article I was reading. And at the same time, he is so loving and so engaged and so down in the weeds with people. And I think that's what it is. And we, we can end where we started, Chiga. You have to know where your peace, joy, and identity are rooted. If you know those things, you can actually operate in this world almost like a secret agent, fully engaged, fully involved, giving all of yourself, but seeing being so disconnected from the outcome that nothing can really shake you. Secret agent. I love that. All right, so let's let's pause right here. I know that we have a couple of bigger themes that we want to speak about in the in the upcoming episodes around this idea of joy and um, benevolent attachment or detachment. Um, so let's just pray pray us out. Jay, would you mind praying us out? Yeah, Lord, these are big concepts and topics. Uh, certainly, things Chica and I have not mastered. Thank you for bringing them to the forefront. And we just pray at this moment in time that we all live in for the ability to see you who you are and to channel this peace, this faith, this place we put our identity and to operate in this world benevolently detached from outcomes, but fully engaged in life. 
So Lord, teach us how to do that. Show us over the next couple of episodes how we can walk with you in this way. Be a beacon of peace and hope in the world for you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.